to episode 141 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. Uh, and if we sound like we've got our mouth full of pastries, it's uh, because we have, because we've just um, had them forced upon us by mm. Dan's partner. Uh, so that's why that is. We have got no fewer than two competitions to tell you about um, since we last recorded. I was about to say three, and then I realised that two of Argent- Argentina's two matches were in friendlies, so that's not really a competition. Um, so, yeah, it's firing on all cylinders here. We will, of course, uh, go through the Argentina matches probably first, really. Shall I read out the, the, the league scores and then we'll, go, we'll do the international uh, games? Or? No, let's do Argentina first. Let's just get Argentina yeah. out of the way, shall we? Um, Argentina's very difficult, tough um, tests ahead of the World Cup were, of course, against Honduras in Miami, um, which is a, a good excuse to say, if you're listening to us from Florida, that we hope you're all right. Um, mm. I, I don't know very many of the details, but I know that most of it's underwater at the moment. So Yeah, Hurricane Ian, I yes, believe. Yes, indeed. Uh, so our thoughts are with you. Um, but yeah, they, they played in Miami, obviously, before the storm hit, and then they went up to uh, the New Jersey, New York, New Jersey metropolitan area somewhere and played in Red Bull Stadium. I'm Harrison, I think it's called. Yeah, that is New Jersey. Harrison, New yes, Jersey, yes. New Jersey, so, because I said last week I thought it was the MetLife Stadium, and then they weren't no. playing in the MetLife Stadium. But it was still New Jersey anyway. Um, and they played Jamaica, and mm-hmm. they won both matches 3-0, if my Indeed. memory is playing tricks on me. Um with only four goals from Lionel Messi. Yes. Concerns about his form going into the World Cup then? Should um, have at least got six, I think. Well, indeed, yeah. I mean, it is... Um... He got five back in June against Estonia. Now, only two in each game. Yeah. Seems like he's trailing off just at the wrong time. Yes, he he's now up to 90 international goals. Mm. During the Honduras match, he uh, leveled, went level with, I think, um, the person whose name I've forgotten, who is the... was the third highest scorer in the history of men's international football. Uh, and he has now obviously overtaken him because he got two goals against Jamaica as well. So it's now only Ali Dia, Dia. I've never actually heard his name said out loud. Uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo, whose name's, uh, name I've heard said out loud an awful lot. Many times. Um, who are ahead of him now in the men's international mm. goal scoring charts. And he's now 19 goals uh, behind... Oh, God, I've forgotten her name as I was halfway through the sentence. Dalma, is it? The Brazilian who scored 109 for Brazil as the all-time highest South American international goal scorer. Very possibly. Uh, of either gender. And, since we're on statistics, he also overtook Lautaro Martinez as the top scorer of the Lionel Scaloni, Scaloneta era. Oh. I believe he now has 24 in the last three years and... Lautaro a mere 21 or something like that but uh, those numbers might have been out of date because I saw them halfway through the Honduras match and they just keep scoring but 44 goals in three years is very good going in four years sorry is very good going for international football especially considering we lost an entire year to that fucking virus indeed yeah um, I was desperately hoping while Dan was talking there that I was going to find at last the bit on sofa score that says international friendly games men and I did find it uh, after having to scroll up and down and up and down several times um, so that we can now get the goal scores oh wait that's Jamaica where's Honduras gone uh, the Honduras game was on the was it the 20th oh no it wasn't that that's why because this is arranged by date in the order that they were played Honduras there we are 
Uh, Argentina on Duras, the goals were from, as we said, two from Lionel Messi, one from Lautaro Martinez, uh, who opened the scoring, um, in fact. And in the other match, it was two from Lionel Messi and one from... Julian Alvarez. Yes, of course. Set was, up yeah. by Lautaro Martinez. It also opened the scoring, because uh, in that second match, Messi was on the pitch from about minute 55 onwards. Something like that, yeah. Um, the... I mean, first of all, no, let's start with that. It's not really about the match. It's not about Argentina or the football that they played. Um, but when the World Cup is played in the United States, which it's going to be in... Four years. Four years' time. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, in just under four years' time. <laughs> Even though we haven't had the, this year's World Cup yet, which is very confusing still. Um, I hope that the security is a bit better than it was. Oh, it's going to have to be, yeah. The last match especially was an absolute shambles. I mean, having worked as, you know, this is normally one of the things where, you know, whenever we're criticising referees or stuff, I'm always eager to say, you know, they have a very difficult job. It's not a job I would want to do. So, you know, let's not go in too hard unless there is clear incompetence and or corruption involved. But having actually worked as a pitch side steward at a big football stadium, they weren't doing their jobs properly. You can't let three people... You literally have one job. I mean, the first guy was herring towards Messi, got within a couple of feet of him, mm. and if he'd slipped just as they got to him, he could have, that could have been Argentina's World mm. Cup over, you know? I think the scariest one was the guy who, who asked Messi to autograph his back. And Messi uh, started signing his back. He started signing his back, and the, then the security guards, you know, a good 10 yards off the, off the pace, as people tend to be when Messi's around, to be fair, um... They came really close to taking him out as well. It was yeah. it was pretty uh, pretty hairy stuff, and you can just imagine you know Argentina's World Cup hopes hanging on you know the effectiveness of of a security guard's tackle. Mm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't fancy that. No, no. Uh, yes, that wasn't very good, um, but the performances were generally yeah, albeit um, you know uh, required qualifier about standard of opposition probably not going to be. Uh, as high as we'll expect to see in the World Cup, at least for, for the knockout stages, but um, just very good. Mm. Uh, dominated the entirety of the 180 minutes and could have scored a few more, especially in the Honduras game, I think, at, towards the end of the Jamaica game before Messi just came in and did, did his thing. You kind of saw people were getting a bit comfortable just playing out the, the clock, but... Honduras, it could have been 5-6-0. Um, I was really impressed with... Well, Enzo Fernandez hit the post. Mm. with. Um, uh, it was so close to just announcing his arrival in a similar fashion to what he did on his Benfica debut. Mm. Uh, it would have been an even better goal, in fact. Having previously... Previously, or, or was it just before? It was after he set Messi up for the... It was after yeah. he set Messi up for the, for the third goal before. of the night, yeah. No, he just looks very good, like... Yeah, I mean, he'd definitely be in my World, squad, World Cup squad, I think. Um, that's beyond doubt, because apart from his obvious amazing talent, he can play anywhere across that Argentina midfield, mm. which really makes him an asset. Um, I think he replaced Leandro Paredes both times, didn't he? Yes. So he was, playing well, as, No, it might have been Guido Rodriguez in the first match and Paredes in the second or whatever. But other way around. Basically, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was playing as, in theory, the deepest line midfielder. Yeah, but he um, could play and, yeah, in the La Chelsea position or in the... Roddy, but the the ball position easily, I think, or even 
as a number 10 almost. Yeah, I mean, this won't Very... be much of a surprise maybe to people who, who listen to this podcast during the first half of the year. Um, but since he's left River, I've, I've, I like him even more now. Mm. I, I, I was watching just his, his contribution when he came off the bench um, against Jamaica and I was thinking, this, this guy might be my, my favourite, not, not to say the best player, but my favourite player since Paul Scholes retired. Um, just for the style that he plays and, mm. and the way that he does everything and the, the way that he makes playing in central midfield, which is really like the most difficult bit of the pitch to play in, he yes. makes it look easy. It's incredible, yeah, and you held back a little bit, but I honestly think his ceiling mm. is very high. Um, there's no reason why if he just carries on like he has done in just a really short space of time as well, he can... He won't be mentioned in the same breath as the world's best midfielders in in very little time. Might just do. Yeah, I mean, you kind of qualified it saying, you know, taking it to favourites, Paul Scholes, but yeah. just from a purely objective view, yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably not far away now. Um, but I think the biggest surprise probably of the two games was was Almada, who I, I honestly had no idea was even in the squad because, mm. you know, I was in Europe, missed most of the build-up and... The squad announcement, and I don't tend to pay much attention anyway to, to that kind of thing until they're actually on the pitch. Um, but he came on just after half-time in the Honduras match and just took the game by the scruff of the neck, played some some fantasy football. Really good to see. Yeah, and I think you've been on um, a, a rival podcast talking about him. Uh, I'd say a friend... A friendly podcast. A complimentary. A complimentary podcast, yes. Uh, yes, just yesterday I spoke to Felipe Cárdenas from The Athletic. Is it Athletic or The Athletic? I think there is the... I think it's The Athletic. I think there is a, a direct article in there, yeah. Um, Felipe... You can tell we weren't among the people approached to write for it, wouldn't it? <laughs> no. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, Felipe covers the Atlanta beat, I believe, uh, the Atlanta soccer beat for The Athletic and he was obviously very pleased to see Thiago do well in Argentina after having a really good season so far for Atlanta. Um, so we chatted for a bit about about him, about Argentina and, and a few other things besides. Um, if you look at either my Twitter feed or Felipe Cárdenas' Twitter feed, uh, you'll find a link to that I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, but listen to this one first. Yes, obviously. Keep continuing to listen to this episode. Yes. Um, oh yeah, because you already listened to it if you if you just got a message. Exactly. Yeah. Or you might just turn it off and go to the other one. Other yeah. players who were given their opportunity to impress. Um, I don't know what you thought. Three of... debuts in total, I think. Well, according to the person doing the television graphics for the Honduras match. Yeah. Argentina fielded somebody called uh, Leandro Perez at right back. From the start. No, from the start? Yeah. No. It was Noel Molina right back, but according to the person who did the TV graphics, mm. they had a player called Leandro Perez on the pitch. I, I, when it came up, I thought, who is that and why have I never heard of him? So I googled Leandro Perez, footballista, Argentina. Yeah. No results, isn't in the squad. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody <laughs> called Leandro Perez living in Argentina. I'd imagine so, yeah. Probably even a footballer. Not, not a professional footballer who's no. playing for Argentina. So that was top work from the person doing the television graphics for that match. And he also, when 
Fernandez came on mm-hmm. because that was of course the match as you pointed out earlier in which Enzo Fernandez replaced Leandro Paredes yes the television graphics said Fernandez was replacing Perez which again he wasn't there was no no player called anything Perez on the pitch for Argentina but there was in a few minutes later uh, yes, now when Perez came on for to become the third debutant of the night. Yes, indeed. Um, pretty much at the same time, in fact. But the graphic said Perez was replacing Petzela, and then it said Fernandez is replacing Perez. And mm-hmm. just, I mean, yeah, should have been listening to Pod. Yes. Uh, even we've got a better idea. Indeed. Then probably. But I was going to say, sorry, other players who, uh, apart from Leandro Perez, obviously, um, other players who actually did get a chance and. Impress other than Enzo Fernandez, who surely is going to be in the squad for the World Cup now. I wouldn't say exactly impressed because he didn't have anything to do whatsoever, but I think it was significant that Jerónimo Arrulli started that first game mm-hmm. against Honduras because that seems to be a nod towards the fact that he will be Scaloni's second choice in uh, in the World Cup over Armani because he started that game and then Emiliano Martinez had a, an identically quiet evening yeah. um, against Jamaica uh, which I'd say fair enough yeah I'd probably have Rulli as my number two as well the defence, uh, the, the choice of central defenders in particular was interesting. I think I would err towards it's going to be Nahuel Molina and Nicolas Tagliafico as the first choice fullbacks. Depends. Yeah. I think Acuna was unavailable because oh, okay. at least against Jamaica he wasn't even on the bench. Okay. I'd have to see against uh, Honduras. But oh, maybe then. But, uh, it's the a cent- toss-up, yeah. The central defence last week we were discussing is it going to be Lisandro Martinez and Cristiano Romero? As I think it probably should be. Is, it, is Nicolas Otamendi going to keep his place having won the World Cup and mm. bring some uh, sorry won the Copa America <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't want to speak too soon there um, and you know bringing the experience that he's got to the, the game Herman Pensel is an interesting sort of fourth option um, against Honduras it was Martinez who of course arrived the day before the match in the United States after all the visa business that we talked about last mm. week uh, and Pensel who were the starting duo and against Jamaica it was Romero and Otamendi yes um, with Martinez then playing the last 12 minutes which I'm slightly annoyed by because United are playing City this weekend but um, you know if you must I suppose at least he didn't play the whole game um, but yeah I thought it was interesting that he went with Martinez and Petzela rather than obviously Romero didn't end up getting his visa in time to play in the yes. first match but rather than Martinez and Otamendi say and whether that would indicate that he's still thinking of, of Otamendi and Romero as that fixed I think Otamendi and Romero at the moment would would be going into the World Cup as first choice, yeah, because they essentially haven't done anything to to suggest otherwise. Mm. Um, And this could be one of the downfalls of this really spectacular run of form Argentina have been on since the start of 2022, really. Um, It's been so untested at the back, even against Italy. Yeah. Um, You know, it's hard to... Hard to say, you know, oh, this defence has been working better than the others because they've just been spectators almost. Mm. Um, well, you know, in fairness, they were also untested at the back against Brazil in Rio in a Copa America final. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. No, I mean, they've, really yeah. Well. But I mean yeah, more recently, but um, yeah, they've shown that they do work well together as a joint. Yeah, Basically because Romero covers up all of Otamendi's brain farts. Indeed, yeah. Going back to another statistic that I haven't yet thrown at you. Uh, but the nice bet you're aware of down there. Now, 35 games unbeaten. Indeed. They need to 
uh, avoid defeat in a pre-World Cup friendly against United Arab Emirates in the United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. and then in their first two World Cup matches, which are against Saudi Arabia and Mexico. Um, and okay, Mexico sounds like a bit of a jump up from those two opponents, but it's Mexico against Argentina. It's yeah. Come on, it's going to be like four or five minutes. Okay. Uh, obviously I've now spoken too soon and they will lose one of those matches but if they do avoid losing all those games Mm. they will set a new world record for the longest unbeaten run in terms of matches played um, in international men's at least football uh, overtaking Italy's current record of 37 which ended with last year's Nations League semi-final defeat to Spain Mm -hmm. Um, but they will also if they don't fall behind at any point against the United Arab Emirates they will have gone two years and 26 matches without without falling behind in any match. Wow. Because the last time that happened was against Paraguay in World Cup qualifying on, I think it's like the 22nd of uh, November mm-hmm. 2020. 2020. <laughs> I was about to say 2022 and then, mm. no, hang on, this is 2020. Uh, something like that. So did the... the um, the friendly against UAE is like six days before the second anniversary of that match. Ah. So they would need to avoid it happening in that match. I fancy a chance, is you? Yeah. Um, I mean, if they fall behind against the UAE, then I think we might need to revisit just what sort of chance they have of doing well in the World Cup. Although, if you speak to a lot of people, they're absolutely dying for a defeat against UAE because they think that going into the World Cup with this unbeaten record is a sure sign of impending catastrophe. Hmm. So maybe, maybe yeah, they need to throw the game. Some people are more superstitious than others. Indeed. News at 11. Um, anything else? To, any, any other comments from the, the two matches? I can't from the two. think of. Midfield, Alexis McAllister looked pretty good. Interesting, yeah. Um, but obviously the, the first choice three is still going to be De Paul Paredes, Lo Celso. Yeah, then you've got Guido Rodriguez to cover, you know, to give the more defensive option. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, and then. Come on and make and would you make room as well for McAllister? He could have I that mean, six I, I, think he's, he's I mean, in a 26, squad. yeah, in a 23 man squad, it'd be tough. In a 26 man squad, I think you can make it because he can also fill in further up. And I, I think that for all of my Enzo love, mm. um, until this recent double header, I would probably have said that McAllister is clearly going to be in the squad and picked mm. ahead of Fernandez. Yeah. Uh, but having seen just how comfortable Fernandez was, although he came off the bench both times, whereas McAllister mm. started against Jamaica, um, if I were in Lionel Scaloni's position now, especially given as we said how versatile he is, yeah, you'd be thinking it's going to be very difficult not to take him. Um, I think he'll take all. But as I think said, he'll take both. McAllister can also play. Rather than playing sort of central midfield or further mm-hmm. back as Fernandez does, McAllister yeah. can play central midfield or further forward. He can fit in so for Messi if ways. for any reason yeah. that's necessary. And, and he's a second already striker. shown that he works quite well with Messi as well on that side of absolutely yeah. on that side of midfield and Messi's it's, just in front of him. It's it's a it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Paolo um, Dybala maybe the, the the big loser if there is a loser of, of this double header because he wasn't fit to play and they did perfectly well without him and he's never really been that good for Argentina anyway I always feel like I, I mean, have to say that in an voice but it's quite easy to just give Diwala the loser title from every international I weekend I like I always have to bring it up because the commentators at some point in each match will always be like oh it's a great shame we'd have a much better chance of doing well if Paolo Dybala yeah. was fit and raring to go at the World Cup and I always end up going it doesn't make any difference shut up <laughs> He had a good game recently against Italy, right? 
he I was quite he, good against. He it. scored he came yeah. on and he's closing down. I can't remember whether he scored or set somebody up, but I remember I he scored. herring along to, to close something down. Yeah. Quite high up the pitch, and it led to a goal in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd still like to see a a second centre forward appear as if from nowhere for Argentina, mm. but I think we're going to run out of time. Because well, I think Julian Alvarez is. Yes, do a okay. job, yeah, but I kind of a more direct uh, alternative to yeah. to Laudaro would be would be useful to have. Yeah, I guess the main issue with him as well is that he's obviously not going to be playing week in week out all the time for Man City because that big Aryan no. God yes. is, is playing there instead. I'll take Haaland, but if. If, if he fancies doing a, doing a very late um, nationality change. Indeed. That'd be um, useful. Although the way he played the other day for Norway, maybe not. Mm. From what I've heard, I didn't know. I'd still take him. Uh, I think I'll pass back. I saw yeah. a couple of highlights of him. Not doing very well. Um, but yeah, so that, that was the double header yeah. in the friendlies. Um, let's go through the league matches first because yes. we're going to go sort of bigger on the Copa Argentina quarterfinals and we'll do that in the second half of the podcast mm-hmm. so since we last recorded in the league round 21 has happened um, and the results have been Huracan 3 Banfield 1 Godoy Cruz 0 Boca 1 Sarmiento 2 Arsenal 0 Defensa y Justicia 2 Patronato 1 Lanús 2 San Lorenzo 0 River 0 Tacheres 1, Independiente 1, Newells 0, Rosario Central 1, Platense 1, and first headline I've noticed after this match of Carlos Tevez perhaps not continuing to be Rosario Central match for the next century. He, he uh, suggested as much, yeah, like what's the point in going on if we just carry on like this? I think he's got something to do with the, they've got elections coming up as well or something, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Gimnasia nil Tigre 1 Racing 2 Union 1 So now you know why Tony couldn't make it long for this week's recording Vélez 1 Barracas Central nil, Atlético Tucumán 3 Estudiantes 1 Aldo Civi nil, Central Córdoba 3 And Colón nil, Argentinos Juniors 4 mm. And earlier on today For some reason At half past 3 in the afternoon in the middle of the week um, Barracas Central and Gimnasia Got uh, round 22 of the league kicked off and that ended in a 1-1 draw we're actually watching Spoilers, a record sorry Dan it's good, just got to half time and Barracas Central are currently 1-0 up but I reckon it's going to end 1-1 um, yeah so that continues round 22 continues and you will hear those matches with Mystic Sam later on mm. um, the main results I guess are I mean any time River losing the Monumental so well done Tacheres and that actually was quite a good deep, a good game in which it was mostly River battering away at the door, unable to um, break it down. And then right at the very end, with seconds left to play, Diego Ortegosa. Uh, Any relation? No, it, it's an E, not an I. Uh, so it's Ortegosa, Ortegosa. not Ortegosa. Um, uh, Hector Fertoli kind of half cleared a, a corner mm-hmm. the, uh, from Tacheres' box, and Ortegosa ran from. 20 yards inside Tacheres half and to the edge of the, the penalty box and battered the ball in to win it for Tacheres. He was absolutely over the moon and it was his first goal in the top flight. He apparently has scored a couple of goals in the lower divisions on loan for Los Andes, I think, and somebody else. Um, but this was his first goal in the top flight and uh, it was a hell of a stadium to score it in, of course, and a 
hell of a goal to score as well and, and to, to get a win over River in the Monumental. So congratulations to him uh, in particular. He's our main individual winner of the week, I guess. The standings following, just to remind you, a Boca win. Um, a Another winning goal by Lucas Langoni. Yeah. Who just keeps knocking him in. He's played something like, I saw it last night, um, where he scored another goal, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but it's something like seven games, six goals or something in all competitions. Something ridiculous like that. He's... He's on a roll, the kid. Yeah, so Boca won. Uh, Gimnasia lost to Tigre. Uh, Atletico Tucumán beat Estudiantes. The standings now are Atletico Tucumán still top of the league, answering that Boca victory a couple of days before with a win of their own. And we'll talk about it in a minute, but a very convincing win over Estudiantes. Um, They have 41 points. Boca are second with 39 points. Racing are up to third. Uh, on goal difference ahead of Huracan and Gimnasia. So they're third, fourth, fifth, but all on 37 points. Argentinos back on 33. Probably not going to be... Uh, of course, Gimnasia played mm. an extra game because that's including the 1-1 draw. Yeah, I'll probably say it's like um, out for Gimnasia now at this point. But uh, um, I can't see him doing anything. Yeah, it would take a bit of a collapse, and especially with the form Boca in now. Analytical. Uh, it's Yeah, I mean, with Atletico's form, yes, and the fact that obviously they're... they're the top team, but also Boca have been like a steam train in recent weeks. Yes. Uh, they have won two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they, they've won eight of the last nine games uh, in all competitions. Mm. This includes the Copa Argentina. Seven of the last eight, eight in the league played. or six of the last seven? Yeah, seven, seven of the last eight in the league. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they're, they're doing fantastically. So, I, if, you know, if Atletico Tucumán don't, don't win the league, it's probably going to be Boca. Ugh. And Gimnasia, therefore, have a very, very tall order indeed. Uh, Won't be Racing, that's for sure. Why not, Dan? You've just beaten Union. Union are not <laughs> a, a terrible side. Tell us about I'm just going to play it down. Um, they got very lucky against Union. It's kind of the reverse of what we saw a lot over this season. Uh, Racing playing really well, racking up the chances, deserving to win, and then just dropping points. Um, especially in the second half. I mean, I, only, I could only... Listen to the first half on the radio coming back from Tegnopolis, where we went for a family day out and arrived late despite my insistent protestations that we should leave in time to get back for kickoff. Somehow were ignored. Maybe I don't have the authority necessary. I hate it when people are late for things. What are you going to do? That's, that's um, a little joke between me and Dan because uh, <laughs> I'm one of the least punctual people. Indeed. Um, so I finally got back to watch the second half. Four minutes into the second half, Union took the lead. Could have added a couple more on. Um, And then Racing came back with a a sucker punch in the last... A sucker two punch, would it be? In the last 20 minutes. Enzo Corbetti levelled with a a very nice header. I think it was a header. And then Johan Carbonero, who has done exactly fuck all for Racing since signing for, for Gymnasia. Really... Disappointing. Came off the bench, bright free on the left, and came with and converted with a really nice finish. Actually, like um, shocking the keeper by just drilling it down um, into his near post and really taking him by surprise. Uh, and that was just about good enough to give Racing their third win in a row. I think it is now. Uh, one, two. Yep. Third win in a row, the first time 
this season they managed to put three wins together. Patronato Platense Union. Yeah, I mean... So the, the theme seems to be that you need to play teams whose names begin quite late in the alphabet. Which is good because on Friday, Racing play against Rosario Central. Of course they do, yeah. Yes. Although having said that, you did beat Argentinos Juniors right before playing Estudiantes, so maybe mm. not. And you lost to San Lorenzo so. and beat Banfield. So what we're yeah. saying is that maybe it doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean... It, it might not do. It, it, it needs my theory needs further work, is what we're saying. Uh, also, far be it from me to um, give you pointers on boxing terminology, of course, Dan. But I think you were looking for the term one-two, maybe. Yes. Yeah. The, the old one-two. Yeah. Indeed. That was it. Um, I like, but double sucker punch. I thought came out yeah, quite no, nicely. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Because you have to be a real sucker to get sucker punched twice. You would. And I think that was Union. Did you catch Atletico Tucumán versus Estudiantes? I did. It was a good game, wasn't it? It was a good game, and Atletico played really, really well. Yeah, uh, much as we've been kind of saying, I, I was uh, thinking during it, especially during the second half, which is when they really started to turn the screw, mm. as it were, that we made the point when it was neck and neck between Atletico and Gimnasia that they had identical records right down to goals scored and conceded, but somehow Atletico seemed to be a little bit more fun to watch than Gimnasia. Um and they needed to, to dig deep, and they did have to, to fight for it, actually, as, as you always have to when you're trying to beat Estudiantes. Um, but it was just, yeah, it, it was a decent game. 1-1 one, one at half-time. Um, Atletico went 2-1 up just under an hour into the game, and then Augusto Lotti scored a penalty with about 15 minutes to go. On to loan racing striker, uh, Augusto Is Lotti. He? Yes, okay. been on loan for, forever now. Oh, well, I mean, so is Racing's... Uh, thinking here that they needed to get used to scoring in those particular colours? Or? I don't know, to be honest. Um, this is about his fifth loan spell in as many, in as many years. He's a perennial loanee at the moment, at this time. But he seems to do well, outside their racing at least, so more power to him. Good. I was just trying to look up uh, Atletico Tucumán's statistics in, individually and see how many goals he's scored so far. And I got an advert on my phone because I don't have the premium version of this app. Um, so, but I can now see it again. And I think he has six. Five. Five. Ramiro Carrera has six. Mm. Augusto Lotti has five. So he's the second top scorer. Outscored Cristian Menendez. Mm. He's only scored four. I would have guessed more than that for Menendez. Yeah. And he's got more assists than anyone else in the pitch. Uh, so that's good for him. Um, but yeah, Atletico continue to impress that they've again uh, you know the reason I made the point earlier of pointing out that Boca had won earlier in the weekend I think mm. I think Boca played on the Saturday and Atletico played on Monday evening if I remember right um, it, it's just to point out that when that game kicked off Atletico weren't top of the league they knew they had to win in order to stay top mm. um, and they managed it and it's yeah, increasingly absolutely. increasingly like they could actually do this they, they've got Patronato uh, Platense Again, the two P's. The two P's. One after another, don't they? This has been scientific. P for Paredores. Uh, they then play Racing. They play uh, Rosario Central, Union. You know, we've mentioned this before about how the fixture computer always puts sort of runs of teams together, which is mm. why this will sound very familiar if you were listening a minute ago to what to Dan's rundown of who Racing have recently played and who they've got next. Um, and they end away to Defensa y Justicia. And... I mean, looking at, that, looking at that running, obviously Racing aren't going to be easy opponents. Defensive of DC have not had a very good season, but shouldn't be a pushover either. 
and any of these matches could go any way and that's one of the reasons we love the Argentine league but looking at that run-in I do kind of feel like Atletico Tucumán's biggest opponents now for the league title are themselves and the nerves of yeah being the first Tucumán team in any way shape or form in contention for a league title and the nerves of as I've mentioned in the last few weeks if they end up being in a title run against one of the really big clubs Mm. knowing that the really big club are arguably going to be feeling a lot less pressure because of that and they're in a league title run with Boca who are used to winning league titles especially that'll be interesting to see how Boca hold up because this is a a much younger team than than we're accustomed to seeing from Boca Uh, lots of youth players who have broke in and really just injected some new blood into what was a very tired very uninspiring team and I think that's why but they're not the other side of that is going to be how do they um, balance you know this freshness with the anxiety and never having been there before and also fighting in the latter stages of the Copa Argentina which is going to be high pressure uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and obviously uh, like any right thinking Argentine football fan I hope they crash and burn yeah I mean even with your um, partner Lou from the other side of Tucumán. I'm mm. sure you'd love to see an Atletico win. I'll get that too, but I just, first and foremost, would want to see Boca crash from there. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I think, I've, I've got a feeling that they're going to manage it. I've, yeah. got, I've got a horrible feeling Boca are going to do it somehow, but... So does this mean Sergio Romero is going to become Argentine champion without playing a match? Having said that, well, yeah, who knows? But He's Boca, just got injured, I think. Boca have got Vélez this weekend. Yeah, they've got. They're away to Gimnasia. Uh, looks like a midweek match potentially. After that, that might not be plain sailing. Aldo no. he should win that. Sarmiento should win that. New Orleans should win that. Independiente could very well depend on which Independiente side turn up that day and what side of bed they got out of that morning. Um, I t- on paper, I think Atletico have a slightly easier run in maybe. Uh, in that they don't have to play mm. Gimnasia still. <laughs> Ask me but, again in in a couple of rounds. I think it's yeah. too close to court at the moment. And I, and I think that the crucial thing with Boca, as, as you say, the, the, this new younger team that they've they've started mm. to put together, and, and the really big thing is that as we mentioned, as I think it was me and Santi mentioned before the Super Clasico, and as we've mentioned, you and I done more times than anybody could possibly count uh, over the course of the lifetime of this podcast. Boca have this habit as an institution and also it has been consistently true for pretty much every Boca team when they've been doing, you know, playing well and winning matches uh, throughout our lifetime as a podcast, that they have this habit of winning without playing well, right? That, yes. that is what it means to win a la Boca in, mm-hmm. in the Boca style. And just in the last few weeks I've started to see a few things where okay most of the matches is still like one I mean they're the, all 1-0 2-1 the, la- the last four league results have been 1-0-1-0-0-0-0-0 but the without playing well bit doesn't apply quite so much now they're actually starting to put some good football together as well yes. even though they're not scoring that many goals um, and they're grinding out the results and obviously you know we'll get to what happened last night in the Copa Argentina because that was not a 1-0 victory mm. <laughs> even though it was a victory for them um so yeah, I think it, it's going to be. A, I'm looking forward to the title running. I'm looking forward to, especially like the last sort of three matches of it. Say when it really gets down mm. to the meat and potatoes of it. But, it's very um, interesting as well yeah. if Racing can win on 
Friday and then uh, Lidtigo and Boca both drop points. We would have a proper free horse race. Mm. Not that Racing are going to win it, of course. I've made that abundantly clear. But just so, you know, we can get a bit excited because they won't win it. Well, if it's not going to be Racing, then why not Huracan or Gimnasia? Well, why not Huracan, sorry, because Gimnasia have already played. Huracan aren't a bad bet to, to make a late run for it. Excellent. Gimnasia, nothing. The, the, the ship sailed. These last drop points are going to be too costly. I think we do have to remember when discussing Oracan's chances of winning the league that, that they are Oracan. Oracan. And they've got to play San Lorenzo this weekend. The classic de Buenos Aires. Which always ends nil nil. So they drop points there. Yeah. Um, they've also still got to play. Well, there's Tudiantes, but Atletico Tucumán made quite short work of them. Yeah. Argentinos won't be easy. That's away from home. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a tough run. And Tachera, well, no, Tachera's outside knockout competitions aren't much good. So Inside tell that to River. competitions, of course. That's a knockout competition. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course, and, and the league as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't think it'll be Oracan, but who knows? I think they, the, the thing with Oracan, basically, is that they draw too much. Yes. They don't get beat, but they don't win a huge yeah. amount of games. They have got nine wins, ten draws, and only two defeats this season. We mentioned last week that they uh, only them and Atletico Tucumán have lost only two games mm. each, uh, but the Oracan have just drawn way too many games. Anyway, we're going to take a half-time break. We're going to refill our glasses. Um, I'm trying to stifle the burp as I'm saying that, so sorry if my voice sounds slightly funny. And when we come back, we will discuss the Copa Argentina. Uh, at least one of the results we have already spoiled for you, and if you were paying attention a minute or so ago, then the other one as well. Or one of the other ones, but the other sort of big one. Anyway, don't go away. Jump in, Sam. Oh, yeah. Go on. Uh, congratulations are in order. Are they? Yes. To, to me? No, not oh, to okay. me. Oh, okay. No. I was wondering what uh, I've forgotten about. <laughs> to Belgrano. Of course, yeah. Who next year will be rejoining the ranks of the Liga Profesional because they have sealed promotion with two games to spare. The one right, automatic spot be... in the Primera Nacional. Oh, yeah. You see, I, I, read, I read about it over the weekend and thought, this seems very early in the year for them to be. Mm. Like, have they won it with 12 matches left or something? But, of course, they've got this massive amount of playoffs to play now, haven't they, before the, the year ends? Yes. Only two regular season matches to play. Um, and then we go into this ridiculously convoluted playoff. So, Belgrano's year is going to be over by mid-October and then they've just got like three and a half months of sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Just getting slashed on Fernet, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So congratulations, Bergeron. And that's, it's been what, four years since I've been in the top flight? That long. Yeah. Uh, possibly three. Mm, yeah. It's been a while, but good to have you back. They're Pre- always Pre-pandemic, good right? Which explains why it feels Pre-pandemic. like such a long time. Because yes. what is time anymore? Um... Congratulations, Belgrano. Mm-hmm. And we know we've got at least one Belgrano fan who's a listener, so... Yes. Congratulations. Let us know how you've been celebrating, Jimmy. 
Indeed. Well, he's been on Peter's podcast, that's one way. Uh, so if you want to hear an actual Belgrano fan reaction, and you won't get this with very many podcasts, we're recommending our competition to you. Yes. Uh, listen to episode 43 of the Golazo Argentino podcast. Um, moving over to the Copa Argentina, I'm quite annoyed by this, because as I was telling down before we started recording, um, I've not had an awful lot of work for the last... Mm-hmm couple of weeks now. I was on a retainer for three and a half months, as some of you know, which is why sometimes we weren't recording quite as frequently. Um, that came to an end two weeks ago, so on the one hand, haven't had much work for two, for a couple of weeks. On the other hand, don't really need a lot of work at the moment because I've just got off a three and a half month retainer and it was great, so I'm quite flush at the moment. Um, but first of all, the plan for last week was to spend half of the week in the pool hall practicing my pool game and the pool hall was closed for refurbishment last week and also this week they're hoping to open tomorrow so I'm, I'm quite irritated that that didn't go at all to plan and I have thing... informed Sam about another pool place literally yes. three blocks or four blocks away yeah uh, I'm, I'll, I'll check it out I'll, I'll see yeah. what the tables are like perhaps if this if, if my normal place isn't open by tomorrow um, but the other thing that uh, I'm quite irritated by is that the Copa Argentina quarterfinals then you know they, they came in the middle of this week mm. and I thought okay I don't have any proofreading work to get done at the moment mm. I can actually take the time I use Tuesday evening to watch Banfield versus Godoy Cruz I will then take Wednesday the matches were at 4 7 10 o'clock yes I'm going to watch all three of them so that we can discuss all of them on Handapod. And it will mean that for a change, we won't be focusing on the River game and the Boca game and talking less about the others. And then what happened? The games not featuring River and Boca weren't particularly memorable. No. <laughs> and both the River and the Boca games, for slightly different reasons, um, were crackers, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. So the results were Banfield versus Godoy Cruz ended 1-1. Um, and Banfield then went through on penalties 3-1 uh, and uh, Independiente versus Tacheres ended 0-0 and was I mean Independiente were quite lucky that it ended 0-0 I will say it wasn't like a complete bore draw Tacheres should have won it in normal time but Tacheres then did win it in uh, from, from the spot Patronato versus River I think I think was probably the best match of the lot, but it's, it's a yes. bit of a tough, tough call between that or the Boca game. I'd um, say so. But Patronato ended 2-2 with River. Uh, it went 1-0 to River, uh, 1-1, 2-1 to Patronato, and then 2-2 with a goal olimpico from Juan Fernando Quintero. Uh, quite, the, the Patronato's second and River's equaliser came, both came quite early in the second half. Uh, and then Patronato got through from the spot and Boca versus Quilmes the only quarterfinal that did not go to penalties uh, ended 3-2 to Boca Gimnasia mm-hmm. taking the lead Boca then running into Gimnes. so yeah why did I say Gimnasia oh because I just looked at the colours of the badge <laughs> similar yeah sorry yeah so uh, the, the only quarterfinal let's do this again the only quarterfinal that did not go to penalties uh, and a 3-2 to Boca over Quilmes mm-hmm. I'm not actually going to cut that so you all know that I cocked up like that but um, yeah so Quilmes took the lead through Julian Bonetto five minutes in uh, Dario bon- Benedetto not Bonetto uh, and Javier Morales put Boca 2-1 up before the break and then as Dan mentioned earlier Luca Langoni made it 3-1 and Mariano Pavone then scored to make it 3-2 with 25 minutes to go 
and for some reason that I know nothing about because I know nothing about Argentine football, Quilmes fans were very angry at this fact and rioted. Yeah, um, the absolute fuckwits of the Quilmes Barra decided that, you know, their team drawing within a goal of Boca and, you know, having all the momentum to make it a real game, that was the time to shut it all down for almost half an hour by frying stones and chairs across one of the, the lungs of the Estadio Malvinas Argentinas. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, horrible to see, of course, but just, you know, from a, a sporting competitive uh, perspective, so stupid, because they just well, completely destroyed it underlines everything Kilmers have been doing. It underlines the fact that the Badras aren't fans and never... It's never really about football for them, you know. It, it brought yeah. to mind for me. I, I I don't know what the beef is, right? I don't know why they did it, but it's always more to do with arguments they're having with the directors because the directors have said no, we're not giving you a cut of transfer fees this year mm. or something ridiculous like that, you know. And my mind went straight back to the 2015 last 16 match in the Copa Libertadores between Boca and River, which we found out. I mean, again, anybody who knew how the Barra Bravas worked at the time. I, I think I was commentating on that match on, on Rabble TV on yeah. the internet streaming service and was explaining, trying to explain at the time what I suspected was going on. But nobody really knew at the time and it mm. came out several years later um, that it had basically been the Barra Brava upset with the directors and they had said, we want more tickets for away matches or we want more mm. transportation or transport for away matches or something like that. Uh, and if we don't get it, then we're going to fuck things up for you when you play the Libertadores against River. I mean, it was clearly that. It was, um, it was clearly orchestrated. They, um, they had in their mind that at some point they were going to just fuck shit up. And they really did. And they even left their, own, their club's own head of security with a big old gash in his head yeah, after yeah. he got hit, in the, hit by a stone or, or something. And the other thing it really did for me was completely overshadowed the discovery that Mariano Pavone is still playing football. That was quite the eye-opener, yeah. Um, As somebody who never, never really watches yeah. the lower divisions. Um, Somehow. I was aware. I yeah. was under the impression he'd retired at, at some point after, yeah. I think when he left Estudiantes, my mind must have just gone, he's not playing mm. anymore. Somehow pushing into second place for the most surprising um, incident of the night, the Quilmes in inverted commas fan who was dressed as Pennywise the Clown from the It franchise and in a Nueva Chicago shirt flashing his cock yes. to the police um, as all hell broke loose um, around him. Mm. Um, Argentine football. Just don't try and explain it or understand it. Is that how the, um, the cliche goes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not... I think uh, Boca and, and Quilmes do have kind of a long-standing rivalry, uh, at Barra level at least. Um, and I guess they took the opportunity to, to make that felt. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't really what we wanted to see, especially considering that it felt like in these last few months we could have been getting back to a place where away fans maybe, maybe not... Uh, it just doesn't yeah. do anyone any favours, really, does it? No, and it really underlined the wisdom as well of getting two teams whose stadiums are seven or eight kilometres apart, maybe, as the crow flies, mm -hmm. something like that, um, to go to the other side of the country to play a knockout game. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have fancied um, making that trip on the 
on the long highway uh, between Mendoza and Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, uh, and not an awful lot had uh, really happened, I have to say, after the match sort of restarted. You know, what was there about? There was 17 minutes added for it, but there, it must have been something like 25 actually played once the actual stoppage time had been subsequently been added yeah. afterwards. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a fairly, pretty much a, a non-event. I can't remember Kilmes having any many chances to actually get an equaliser. It didn't really ever look like it was going no, to... No, shot from it. the edge of the area, which Javier Garcia didn't really have any trouble patting down. Mm. And that was about it. About it. Um, a close game, you know, on the, on the scoreline, but Boca, at least after that early scare, didn't really look like um, they were going to throw it away. No. So... As we were saying, you know, before in the in the first half, Boca just make a habit out of winning when they're not playing very well, and this intensely mediocre Boca team of two thousand and twenty-two, they've got a really good chance of doing the treble, mm. uh, which would be upsetting. Yeah, well, as I said, I mean, they, they've they've started to play a little, some some decent stuff now as well. Yeah, just at the right time, like as they did in the Copa de la Liga, kind of squeaking through when they need to, and, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, Patronato versus River, as I said, was a cracker. Not from start to sixty-five minutes in when one of the batters decided to ruin things, but a cracker from start to finish. Mm. Um, even though the final goal was scored with still something like thirty-eight minutes left, um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Uh, Patronato have not been in good form at all lately. I've got their last 10 matches in all competitions here in front of me. Lately as in for the entire history of Padronato? Yeah, I mean, ever really. But, you know, uh, they've got three wins, including last night, three defeats and four draws in the last 10 matches. Um, oh, and they're counting last night as a win, of course, because it's sofa score. So, in, mm. in fact, they've got two wins, four draws, and f- uh, five draws and, and three defeats in, in the, the last 10 games. Um, but they just... They, they played it, I want to say cleverly. It, it sounds a bit weird when you have an absolutely wild and completely open <laughs> 2-2 draw, which you're arguably mm. a little bit fortunate to, to actually get. Um, and you call it clever. But, but it seems to be the best way to play, River. I, mean, I remember yeah. Tigre did something very similar in the Copa de la Liga quarterfinals, I mm. think it was. Especially River this Just make it chaos and River tend to take the bait and just lose yeah. all shape. Don't be afraid of them. Because yeah. they've had several years of, obviously, teams in Argentina at least, being very afraid of them, with good reason. And just letting them play their stuff, yeah. Um, and now, they decide to come out and, and get it. And Bruno Soculini um, opened the scoring 10 minutes in, and at that point, and up to, I think, probably about 15 or 20 minutes in, it was really all river. And mm. you were thinking, oh, this could get really ugly. <laughs> I mean, this could be a, a really big, you know, four or five goal win. Um, and then something happened, and Patronato <laughs> started to come into it, in like the last sort of 15, 20 minutes yeah. of, the, of the first half. Um, Marcelo Estigarribia equalised, um, at which point Patronato had been on top for, for quite some time. And then in the second half, they came out all guns blazing and got uh, an, uh, an equaliser, sorry, a second goal from Jonathan Herrera to go 2-1 up, like a minute and a half in or something mm. after the break, something like that. So... Um, yeah, really, really hit them easily. And then, as I said, Quinteros, brilliant. 
I've never seen a goalkeeper wrapped around the crossbar like that before. No. <laughs> so, you know, you see, see goalkeepers wrapped around the post at a good free kick, but uh, he, he managed to wrap the keeper yeah. around the crossbar. Just like a shame we haven't seen a few more moments like that from Kinderdo this is, year. Yeah. Could have been a much more entertaining year. Hmm. Yeah, obviously I love him, but um, first to admit that he's not actually been particularly good this campaign, sadly. No, with the qualifier that he's gone, you know, large stretches without even playing. Yeah. Had those his, fitness injury problems that have just held him back and his set throughout, piece delivery. really. It, this is obviously easy to say after he scored a goal on the Ubi goal, but his set-piece delivery remains unparalleled, yes. arguably with the exception of Brian. The facet of his game which requires him to do the least running or <laughs> physical exertion possible. He's yes. got to take two steps for some of those kicks. True, true. And he scored his penalty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, um, that was all she wrote, as it were, after that. It went to... Uh, to, to kicks from the penalty spot. Um, both teams scored their first ones, Quinteros for River. Both teams then had their... Se- oh, no, hang on. Sucolini hit his second one over, I think. And then uh, immediately, Axel Rodriguez uh, for Patronato had his saved. Yes. Uh, and it was all back on level terms. But then Matias Suarez saw his penalty kick saved and Jorge Valdez scored the eventual winner. So well done, Patronato. Through to... What's going to be the biggest match in their history, I would think. Boca in the semi-finals. Copa Argentina semi-final against Boca. Uh, Patronato's previous best Copa Argentina performance was the quarter-final. Mm-hmm. I don't know from the television graphics. It didn't say in what year, so it might be that their pre- previous best was actually the, this quarter-final that they played last night. And that, right. <laughs> they might have just been talking about that. So I don't know whether that is indeed their previous or just their current best. Um but fantastic. And the other semi, of course, is going to be Banfield versus Tacheres. Tacheres, who were last year's finalists. They won, got they, defeated yeah. by Boca, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Not easy what to can think. we say about these? Because, I mean, I've, I, as I said earlier, I really wanted to be like, right, I want to give all of these matches in it. We'll mm. talk more about the other games. And then the other games just turned out to be not actually very good. Hissel's battle scored a penalty for Banfield very early on. And Enzo La Rosa equalised shortly before half-time, before really not very much at all happened in the second mm-hmm. half of Banfield versus Godoy Cruz. Um, and Independiente versus Tacheres, I mean, I kind of summarised it earlier, really. Tacheres should have won it in normal time by at least one goal, mm. if not two. But they did not. Um, and then they won it from the spot, because Independiente can't take penalties. Mm-hmm. But- is, there, is there anything more to say? No, like big blow for Independiente, of course, because they've been so underwhelming in the league this year. But they've managed to get a couple of decent results together under Falcioni, and they might have thought that might just be enough to see them through. You know, get a decent result in the Copa Argentina, and even look at the Libertadores next year. And no, it was not to be. No, indeed. Um, we don't yet know when the semi-finals will be. Pl- Actually, I hope. Sorry. The people who run Sofa Score don't yet know when the semi-finals will be played. Uh, I haven't paid any attention to this today, so for all I know, it was announced earlier. Dan, did you hear anything about this? Uh, no, spent, but I assume putting together a chest of drawers that turns out not to have enough screws. But yes, um, I assume it will be before we wrap everything up for the World Cup. More than that, probably. I can't say. This is Argentina, so you know, yeah. They might decide to play in January. I think it's a very fun kind of competition to schedule because I was just looking. The last 16, I believe, took a month and a half to play. The first game was 
on the 9th of August and the last game was on the 15th of September. I'm surprised it was that quick. And then they managed to wrap up this entire quarterfinal in the space of about 27 hours. Yeah. How long did the last 32 play? Because I'm pretty sure that there was oh, last th- at least one last 32 match after the last 16 was already well underway. The first game was Boca's 1-0 victory over Ferro on the 8th of June. And the last game was mm, the 4th of August. Oh, okay. So a few days before. Interesting. Two months. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Still far too long. Still far too long. Anyway. Yes. Uh, shall we do listeners' questions? Yeah. Why not? So we have one listener's question that was asked just to, literally about 30 seconds too late to get into last week's episode, and that is from Perfect Tommy, who says, I've heard that there is a shortage of Panini World Cup sticker packs in Argentina. Did you collect them or anything else growing up? Do we talk about this or do we talk about it off, um, off mic? Uh, I definitely week. didn't talk about it because, as I said, Tommy's question came in too late to be asked. So I we think- didn't talk about it on mic. And but I think we talked about it off mic. We might have discussed the um, headlines about there being a shortage of Panini World Cup sticker packs. Yeah. I can't um, remember talking about whether we, we collected anything as kids. I think we did. Um, both me and you were completely anti-Panini. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say yeah. I'm anti-Panini. I just never just really... Just never did it, yeah. Never did them. No, um, uh, perhaps Sandy or Andres could have given you a different answer, but neither <laughs> myself nor Sam had any interest in... Spending money on uh, on panini stickers, or our no. parents, I guess, having any interest in giving us money to buy panini stickers. I collected Pogs because I was of about that age when they were uh-huh. revived uh, from what I gather from the nineteen seventies or something. Uh, and uh, these uh, little kind of rubber plastic. Um, no, I'm not going that way. Don't worry. Um, they were called mini Boglins. I don't know, Mini you're probably too young to remember them. Um, but they were just sort of these tiny... They were about sort of, what's that, like three or four inches or something? Yeah. Um, just sort of plastic monsters, really. Not like trolls with their hair? No. Ah. No, no, they, well, they, no, they weren't. They, they were smaller and they weren't humanoid. Right. Well, I'll look up some pictures and show you later. Dan's Dan's too much of a child to have... Uh, but this is making me feel Apparently so, yes. But yeah, I collected those things, which Tommy is probably also too old to remember, if they were even a thing in the United States. Um, <laughs> Tim says, uh, in reply to a question that we got last week from Independiente in English, which we did answer, so mm-hmm. Independiente in English last week asked who are your favourite players this campaign, and Tim has asked, to piggyback on this, maybe your best 11 so far. I mentioned team names with players so I can find them and know who to watch for, LOL. Um... Best 11 so far, though? You've been watching more <laughs> than me. putting us on the spot. <laughs> I'll name a few players. I'm not going to go through pl- uh, position by position. No. Uh, the, the position by position, we will try to draw up at the end of the campaign, mm. as we occasionally do when I'm feeling particularly motivated. Yeah. Goalkeeper, because of how he's come through the last few weeks, would be hard to ignore Rossi's spot. True. I was team Rossi. Yeah. Uh, in defence... Uh, I mentioned him last week actually, um, Mirosha of uh, of Huracan has had a really good um, a really good campaign, and Franco Cristaulo will definitely be on my list as well. Also of Huracan, uh, Christian Menendez, uh, Matteo Retegi will be leading the line, of course, 
Um, oh, we need to give uh, club names with these, by the way, don't we? Yes. Uh, Retegis Tigre. Um, Menendez is Atletico Tucumán. Then Merosha and Cristalo Huracán. Rossi is Boca. Uh, so that's five or six. Probably. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't going to count. Oh, um, and, uh, possibly Camp- Bruno Bianchi as well from Atletico, who's had a very good campaign in the middle of the defence. I would act, uh, Carlos Lampe might be in with a shout for goalkeeper from Atletico yeah. to given that they're top of the league and he apparently had never really played in goal for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a joke mm. based on the fact that he joined Boca and didn't play at all before being a Libertadores runner-up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll give you obviously a, a proper 11 at the end of the campaign. Uh, I will apologise if you think you can hear a howler monkey in the background. That is, in fact, uh, Dan's uh, son. I'm not sure yes. whether he's actually coming through on the microphone, but it's quite amusing um, <laughs> from where we're sitting. So, yeah. Uh, Simon Clark says, Anyone surprised by how well Huracan have gone this year? They seem hard to beat. I mean, as we said earlier, they are hard to beat. They're, They're very hard to beat, yeah. They should be winning more matches than they are doing. But, yes, I am surprised mm-hmm. in, in answer to the question. Um yeah, basically, they've just had so many disappointing years, really. Yeah, and it, but it's, it's particularly weird, because as somebody who now has the luxury of, you know, now that it's not my job anymore, I can just kind of go, well, do I actually fancy watching this match mm. and not doing Even though they're, what, like, fourth in the league now, mm. I'm still regularly just going to go, no, I don't really fancy watching her <laughs> again. Um, and I think that, that that underlines just how many matches are draws. You know, they're, they're not winning as many as they ought to, but they're doing well. And, and then yes. they're um, proving the football manager truism that in football manager, if you can avoid defeat, then that eventually over the course of a season is going to be worth more than going all out to win all of your matches. Mm. Um, you'll finish higher up the table on average. And it's interesting because um, their coach, Diego Labovic, kind of stood out at Godoy Cruz. Yeah. As someone who likes to get forward, who likes to play very kind of furious uh, attacking football, but he seems to have he seems to have reined in that um, that tendency a little bit, kind of adapting, you know, to what he has. Uh, can I assume, and after his his spell at um, San Lorenzo, didn't really oh, yeah, of course, yeah. go very well. for some reason. Uh, he was at Argentinos as well. Oh, okay, yeah. good. I didn't Cruz and Argentinos, yes. Cruz, Argentinos, then San Lorenzo. Right, I've forgotten about And San possibly Lorenzo. another one where he didn't do very well in the middle. But he's doing well at Huracan, at least. And they've got San Lorenzo this weekend, of course. Yes, so I'm sure he'll get... I, can't, I don't know if they're at home or away, but if... They are... I think they're away. Then he'll get a very warm oh, reception, I'm sure, from San Lorenzo fans. Indeed. Uh, Lee Bartlett has a question that he is particularly eager to ask us because not only has he tweeted this to us but he also emailed it to me about an hour before he tweeted it to us Um, so we are answering it Lee here we are answering it why was the Colón game played behind closed doors and for this I have already before we started recording uh, asked Dan to well I've warned him that we were going to ask the question Yes, we've actually researched this one. Uh, actually, I knew the answer, so I don't need to uh, research it too much. Um, prior to that game, uh, Cologne's squad received a rather unpleasant, violent visit from uh, up to 30, between 20 and 30 members of the Barra is how the, the news describes it, uh, who basically put the screws on them hmm. and were not very nice about it. Uh, that caused the game to be played behind closed doors and also unleashed a scandal at Colón where it 
turns out, shock horror, that several members of their board of directors were in direct contact with the heads of the Barra um, and given them money and um, match tickets in return for their support. Again, I am shocked. Yes. Shocked, I tell you. I'm glad you're sitting down for this, Sam, because this kind of collusion, you just wouldn't see it. Um, on Wednesday, uh, two members of the board and something like seven heads of the Barra were arrested and they're still in jail at the moment. Um, and in the meantime, behind closed doors, Colón lost 4-0. Yes, um, Yeah, so not very happy days at Colón at the moment and it just goes to show how quickly um, Argentine football can change because barely a year ago they were Copa de la Liga champions yeah. and looking very good um, but now they are not indeed uh, Bob Roberts says what do you guys remember about the 2006 Gimnasias scandal when the team was accused of throwing a match against Boca in an effort to prevent Estudiantes from winning the league title now I remembered when I saw Bob's question uh, immediately the first run-in to a title finish that I ever wrote about for another for an audience. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what that noise is. Uh, which was the finish to the 2006 Torneo Apertura in which Boca was something like seven points clear with three games to go. It might even have been nine points clear with three games to go, but I have a feeling it was seven. Um, and the Estudiantes won all three of their matches, and Boca, however many points clear they had been, uh, dropped enough points that it ended up going to a tie-break, which Estudiantes then won. So my immediate thought when I saw Bob's tweet was, this must be the campaign he's talking about. But I've had a look through, and in both the Apertura and the Clausura in 2006... Uh, Gimnasia played Boca in like the sixth round of matches so that doesn't make any sense no um, so if it is a re- I, and I couldn't remember any particular scandal taking place at the time either although it was as I said I, I started blogging about Argentine football kind of about halfway through the Apertura mm. so that's sort of the final quarter of football that was played in the year that year um, so if there was a scandal about it it was just before my time, but I also can't really see how that would make sense. Like, uh, Gimnasia weren't throwing games against Boca six matches in. You were a thought so, no? match um, championship. Yeah, uh, I can I can very well believe how, you know why rumours like this get started mm-hmm. as a general thing, not specific to these teams and that particular championship. Uh, but it definitely didn't happen in twenty oh six because that just doesn't make any sense at all. No. Um, so sorry to be slightly dismissive Bob and to probably give you a bit less detail than you wanted but it did give me the chance to think back to we're not ruling out that it may have happened but it wasn't that year and we don't have time live on air to uh, go for every season where Gymnastia may have may or may not have done Boca a favour indeed Um, but it did give me a chance to think back to happier times when I was only 22 years old and had just started to fall in love with Argentine football. (laughs) And Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, as is traditional, has come in with one final question before we stop recording. He says, disappointing year for River, capped off with getting knocked out to Patronato in the cup. Will they limp over the line and grab Libertadores uh, qualification? He has another question after that, but we'll answer this one first. Um, They're almost there, to be fair. Are they? 
in the annual table, they are currently third with 61 points, level with Gymnasia, uh, ahead on goal difference, and with Gymnasia having played a game more, and three points clear of Argentina Juniors, uh, who are in fifth. Of course, this will cha- this may well change because if Atletico Tucumán or Huracán say, um, or Racing uh, win the league, then another space will be opened up below them. I don't know what would happen if Boca win the Liga after winning the Copa. Would another space be liberated as well? Um, there are three spaces direct from the league anyway. Mm-hmm. And Boca have already, as you say, won the Copa de la Liga, which means that... so. If Atletico Tucumán, say, win the league, yeah. that doesn't make a difference to the teams who finish first, third and fourth, assuming that Boca finish where they are at the moment in second in the right. table. Gotcha. Uh, they'll still qualify anyway. So, first, third and fourth, or first, you know, the, the, the top three who aren't already qualified in the yeah. annual table are going to qualify anyway. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't get taken off anybody. So, if, yeah, but... To answer your question, if Boca win the Copa Argentina or the league, mm-hmm. then I would get a the, more logical spaces. Thing, yeah. the logical thing seems to be to just to then. So at the moment, if it happened today, Argentinos would then get in in, in fifth place. Yes. They go to the Libertadores instead of the Sudamericana, and Tigre would be in the Sudamericana. Right. Which sounds weird, given that I feel like we have barely talked about Tigre all season because they're <laughs> quite a long way down the table. Um, but yeah. But yeah, essentially, from River's point of view, which is obviously what Liam was asking about, yeah, I think they'll probably qualify for the Libertadores. It'd be a disaster if they lost it from here. It's Especially since that fifth spot will most likely end up being a Libertadores qualification place yeah. one way or another. It, it, it's very much squeaky bum time for them. Yes. It's going to be tighter than it ought to be. Uh, but as has been traditional throughout Marcelo Gachado's time in charge... When there has only been one route left into the getting into next year's Libertadores, River have managed to get there somehow. Um, so yeah, I think they will. And Liam also says the Supercopa Argentina is is it? I mean, question mark here to be played in Abu Dhabi. I can't imagine the locals going to see it unless River or Boca are involved. I have not heard anything about this. Me neither. That makes two of us then. Um, I can. Unfortunately, I can easily believe that it's something that the AFA are trying to make happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one thing where my reaction might well surprise a lot of listeners who are aware that I'm one of the sort of, not entirely against modern things, but to an extent against modern football types. Um, I don't particularly care. No, I mean, if, if, people who, if people who make all their money from immoral stuff like taking mm. oil out of the ground are going to go and spend significant amounts of that money on seeing something as ridiculous and completely meaningless as a super cup. More power to me. Then fine. I'm not bothered. I mean, I probably wouldn't go even if Racing were playing and it was in Mendoza. Yeah. I'd probably go if it was in La Plata, but I wouldn't you know, go any great distance. Apparently, yes, um, if, the if, AFA if we were... have decided the next four editions of the Supercopa will be in Abu Dhabi. Decided. Yes. <laughs> have, they, have they spoken to anybody in Abu Dhabi about this? Or it doesn't say. Is there some shake reading his newspaper now going, uh, oh, uh, no, I don't, no, they're not. <laughs> mm. Have they ever heard of consent? Mm. You do not. Uh, 
Probably the most relevant news is that the winner will receive a prize of a million dollars. Right, okay. Well, that's Which is a shit ton of money. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So presumably somebody in Abu Dhabi is very much on board with this because that prize money ain't coming from the AFA. Perhaps they haven't told Abu Dhabi this either. <laughs> yeah, oh, do. by the way, uh, we need a well million quid. somebody into giving you a million dollars. Yes. Whether you'll have to pacify it all at the end of that is another matter. Um, I don't know, 10,000 per player, you know, which you can bring back legally. Mm. I mean, take Oh, it. you're saying they get them to stuff it down their socks? Yes. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't think the players are going to see very much of that. No, if, if you, if you brought across a, de- a delegation of 100, True. Yeah. Each, each person could bring back $10,000 and you'd just Is about it make 10, it. 10,000? I thought it was 5,000. 10,000. Oh, well, okay. Without declaring, which of course you wouldn't want to declare. Indeed. Um, getting back, getting the ten thousand back from each member of the delegation might be a little bit trickier. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh no, some of it went missing. Quest, yeah. I don't know where. I've got, I've got two. That's a problem for another time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a super cup. If it was the mm. final of the Copa Argentina or the final of the Copa Libertadores or something, then I'd feel rather more up in arms about it. But mm-hmm. and again, and if Dan and I were Argentine, I suspect we'd have a slightly different reaction because for some reason. You know, our listeners in Europe will be familiar with the fact that I'm going to do a little bit of stereotyping here. Southern Europeans tend to be a bit hotter on their super cups, yes, than in at least our generation of Brits are um, on for say the charity shield. Absolutely, personally, couldn't care less about it. Seba, for example, is somebody who I've had arguments about super cups with in the past when we were first getting to know each other because Seba will hold no. Of course, it's a big competition. You've got to win something to get into it. Whereas my position is, if it's not as important as the thing you've got to win to get into it, then it's not important. And if they hand it out at the start of the season, it's not a proper trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, play it wherever you want. Play it on the moon if you want to. Why? Yeah, I definitely don't have the money to get players to the moon, so that's not going to happen. No. Um, but yeah, it, it's obviously a, yeah a shame that it's going to a petrol state, but that's more than but everything is. Yeah. At least they're not playing a league. Super I mean, if the World Cup's already gone to a Petra State, what what hope does the Super Cup of Argentina have? Exactly. Um, and on that slightly pessimistic note, I think it's time for Mystic Sam. Okay, Barracas Central versus Gimnasia has, as we said earlier, already been played for some reason and ended in a draw. On Friday evening, Estudiantes host Colón, and I expect that to be a draw as well. I think that Tigre versus Andosibi will be a Tigre win, and that Racing versus Rosario Central will be a Racing win. A Tevez um, obliging to resign. Racing win? Oh yeah, we didn't really talk very much about that, did we? I'm not sure how much of a realistic chance there is of that happening, but um, hey, nice. Tevez might resign if things don't get better for Central, which they probably won't. Indeed. Very good. Um, surprise, surprise. Union versus Newells is also being played tomorrow evening, and I think that's going to finish in um, a Newells win. Mm-hmm. On Saturday. Platense play Defensa y Justicia. I think it will be a Defensa y Justicia win. Central Cordoba versus Sarmiento is the 
Fragile Cordoba win. I have no idea how either of those two teams are doing, actually. San Lorenzo. I'd say to be safe, just don't watch it. San Lorenzo versus Huracan, the Clásico de la Ciudad de Buenos Aires, is, which is is its name, believe it or not, even though both River and Boca are in Clásico de Buenos Aires, yes. but it is the Clásico de Buenos Aires. Um, I think it's going to be, I'm going to really stick my neck out here. It's going to be a draw. Almost certainly. Banfield versus Godoy Cruz should be a Banfield win. I'm going to say should, I of course just mean I'm making something up. Uh, on Sunday, oh no, hang on, no, on Saturday evening, Arsenal versus Independiente will be a win for Arsenal. Maybe. Um, on Sunday, Patronato host Atletico Tucumán, and we know how that's going to go, don't we? Atletico Tucumán are going to win. Boca host Belles. That should be a pretty decent game. Um, I'm going to go for a Boca win. 1-0. Because why not? Just the easiest prediction you have to make. Tacheres versus Lanús I think will be a draw. And Argentinos Juniors versus River Plate will also be a draw. Has that been played on the Monday? No. That's on the second, which is Sunday. Oh. We've got... So we've got no Monday matches. We've a match today on Thursday. We've got a few games on Friday, a few games on Saturday, and a few games on Sunday. And then we have a midweek round Ooh. beginning on Monday, which is interesting. So there are games on Monday. <laughs> Just not from the weekend. Normally when this happens, they have Monday off and then start yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But next week there are, there's a midweek round. Cool. So whether we record next week or not, I'm not sure. Uh, might depend on who, exactly who is playing on Thursday evening. Any decent matches? Oh, Gimnasia versus Bok is being played next Thursday by the look of it. Uh, well, we'll see what, how we can time next week's episode. We could even live pod it, maybe, if it's not on a, 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 a particularly... 9.30. Ah, no, fuck I mean, I, I enjoy coming here, but yeah, no, no, I want to be home by no half time of that latest. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see how that works. Maybe Friday then we could, we could record, we'll see. We, 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 say, we, we could be doing this without the microphone switched on and not boring everybody senseless. Yeah, I, I think people appreciate the, uh, the process of picking a day to, to record the podcast as well. You don't get this deep into episode 431. No, without enjoying Sam and Dan discussing their schedules yeah. live on air. Indeed. Um, or recording on air. But we won't make you sit through any more of it. So thank you very much indeed for listening to us. And we'll talk to you again either next week or the week after. For now, it's goodbye from Dan. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye.